You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to the Rides Winning Insights, the horse and rider podcast mini-sode series where we share audio lessons and insights from some of the most sought-after professionals in the horse industry. This week's episode is the start of a four-part series we're doing to help kick off our Mental Health Awareness Month that's taking place in February, which will provide more information on the many ways horses can help us heal. In this week's episode, Touched by a Horse owner, Melissa Pierce takes the reins to talk a little bit more about horses and their healing abilities. Melissa is a teacher, author, psychotherapist, and a pioneer in the field of human horse healing. Over the last three decades, she's coached and helped others through her private psychotherapy practice and partnership with horses. This partnership with horses led her to create the equine gestalt coaching method. This week's episode is brought to you by Touched by a Horse. Melissa Pierce developed the equine gestalt so there are two gestaltists present with the client, one human and one equine. Together they provide a therapeutic approach to deep process emotional healing through the experiential nature of gestalt work. Contrary to talk therapy, gestalt work and its sister modality equine facilitation offer some of the most efficient means of human growth and personal development. Touched by a Horse offers two comprehensive programs so you can start your career with horses in the exciting field of horse and human healing. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses, specializing in work with businesses, clubs, and families. The Equine Gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses for deep process and trauma recovery. All of the programs include a rich curriculum of both online and in-person classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. This week's episode is the third episode of a four-part series we're doing to help kick off our Mental Health Awareness Month taking place this February, which will provide more information on the ways horses can help us heal. Hi, my name is Melissa Pierce, and I am very happy to be asked to do another segment of The Ride for Horse and Rider. You know, I've had Horse and Rider magazine in my life since I was a child. I've had horses for too many decades to count, and I know they've covered so many incredible topics, and I've learned a great deal from the different professionals in the magazines. Today, we're talking about a topic that Horse and Rider has now decided is important in our equine world, in our world in general, and that is emotional and mental health of us along with our horses. So as a psychotherapist and a gestaltist, I'm going to share with you some things today that I hope will help you in your own quest for mental health for yourself and for others around you. You know, mental illness and mental health, all of these are topics today that people are able to finally discuss without any kind of stigma. For me, I never saw stigma around it. It was no different than separating out the physical health of my body from the mental health of my mind. No more complex than that. And being a gestaltist means that we understand that everything that we bring into our awareness about ourselves, how we operate in the world, how we move in the world, how we reach for certain defenses if we need them, 
all of these things done with awareness instead of lack of awareness brings us to this mental health place. So today I wanted to cover something a little different than I did in my first two podcasts. If you heard the first one, it really deep dived into what is Gestalt. I have a book called What in the Heck is Gestalt, if you're interested in learning more about that. And the second one, we talked about the magnetoelectrical field that horses use to kind of read us and relate to us, receive our transmission of energy, and actually help us adjust our energy. So today I want to tell you about a mother and a son that were clients of mine for a documentary years ago. The horse's name is Scooter. He was a reigning horse for me and just a complete love and a love that worked as my partner in my equine gestalt work. Now, this mother and son came and the cameras are rolling and everyone is curious what we're going to do. And they worked with me for about an hour, kind of aligning what we were going to take a look at. And then I had the mother step aside and walk away, which she did. And some of the crew went with her and the rest of the camera crew stayed. And now it's myself and it's Billy, who had been diagnosed both ADD and ADHD. Billy was nine at the time of the filming, and he definitely was having trouble in his family, trouble with his parents, a lot of trouble in school, trouble with everything, feeling that the world was moving really quickly around him, and he was trying to match its speed. So Billy was a lot, as we say today. First thing I did was went into the round pen with Scooter, with Billy outside the round pen watching me. And I moved Scooter slowly and easily, not running his wheels off. But I asked Scooter, would you please move to the left, which he did. I turned him to the outside. Scooter, would you move to the right, which he did. I changed his speed up to a jog. I brought it back to a walk and I brought Scooter into me. And Scooter came right up to me and I stroked his face. Very simple, not a big running the horse around, but a very simple left, right, showing him that this horse wants to be near me and is listening carefully to me. Now, carefully, I brought Billy into the pen who was over the moon to get in the pen with the horse. Holding Billy's hand, keeping a tight hold on him, and with a lot of trust in Scooter in a 70-foot round pen, we walked into the center and stood And just this boy's vibration of excitement, just the way he was bouncing on the balls of his toes and jumping up and down and being so excited, he was buzzing. And of course, Scooter felt that energy and actually began moving around at a lope around the edge of the pen. No one had raised a flag. No one had asked him to. But just this child's over-the-moon, over-the-top energy was enough to send my horse out loping around the pen. So he lopes a few circles and I end up asking Scooter to stop, which he does. But Scooter did not want to come into me. He just stood there looking and Billy's bouncing up and down. Please, Scooter, come here, Scooter. Come in, Scooter. Come on. Come on, Scooter. Like you would a dog and trying to get very excited in the energy field. So we left the round pen. We went and sat down for a moment. And I said, why do you think that Scooter came over to me and was really soft in the way he did so and followed me around the pen. But when you and I went in together, 
then that wasn't what happened, was it? He was running around and he wouldn't come into us. So what do you think that is? And he looked down at the ground, back at me, some tears in his lower eyelid. And he said, well, nobody likes to play with me. Nobody likes me, really. And my mom says, I'm a lot. And so I think Scooter's decided he doesn't like me. And I said, hmm, Billy, well, let's do something to change that. I'm not sure it's that Scooter doesn't like you. I think Scooter, like most horses, wants to feel safe with you. And maybe when your energy is really super high, he doesn't know how to do that. So let's help Scooter. And let me ask you some questions. So we took some large stones and I said, let's put five stones on the ground. So I put them about three or four feet apart and I laid out the five stones And I said, we're going to play a game first, and you tell me, exactly show me what you look like, what you feel like in your body, and everything about being at level five energy at four, at three, at two, at one. Do you think we could do that? He said, I don't know. I said, well, let's start at four. So show me when you're excited about something at school, like it's time to go to recess or something's going on at school that you are really excited to participate in, like what, what's that look like? What, how are you standing? How are you moving? So he showed me. He's bouncing up and down pretty much the way he was in the round pen with Scooter. He's bouncing up and down and his arms are moving around. He's looking all around. And I said, make the noises you make when you're at four. And he goes, oh, I can't stand it. I just get so buzzy with energy. I said, okay, let's crank it up to five. What's even more than that? So he moves to the five stone and he goes, well, now I'm just super excited. Like I get when I think about getting to pet Scooter. I want to pet Scooter so bad. And he's bouncing on the balls of his feet and he's looking all around and he can hardly focus on what we're doing. And he's checking out the camera people and, you know, definitely focus everywhere except right where it needed to be. said, all right, I'm going to really give you a challenge. Let's put it to three. So bring it to three. And so he was still still pretty bouncy at three. And I said, well, that still looks pretty four to me. So what would three be? Uh, Oh, well, um, so he starts working with how would his body be? What kind of things would he be saying? What voice would he be using? And where would he be at three? We took our time. We worked through two and we worked through one. And at one was not something he was familiar with. It was a difficult place for him to be, but he had the ability to get there. So at one, I helped him learn he can take some deep breaths. He can imagine the bottom of his shoes touching the earth. He can bring all of his attention to his shoes touching the earth and take another deep breath and let it out slowly. I gave him some basic tools to help him settle his body and become more grounded, which he did. So then I asked him, I said, okay, so we know what five is. We know four, three, two, one. Which level do you think I was at when you saw Scooter come right over to me and follow me all around the pen? And he thought about it and thought about it. And he says, I want Scooter to follow me around the pen. I said, I so know you do. And that's what we're working on. So what do you think I was doing? Where was my energy? And he said, probably because you were really happy you were in with Scooter. Probably two, because you were happy you were in with Scooter. And you were happy, but you were quiet. Yeah, probably two. 
maybe one, maybe two. I said, very good. That's great. So let's see if you and I could go into the pen at two and even try to move to one. But we'll go in at two, but let's stand outside the gate until you get there. Okay. Okay. So I said, do you remember some of the tricks to get there? Yep. Breathing, thinking about my feet. He went through them all. I said, well, you still sound like you're at about four as you tell me those things. So you let me know when you hit two. Just work on it. Stay right out here outside the gate. Now, Scooter's just moving around like a horse in a round pen. He's just fooling around, looking for something to eat and kind of checking on the beautiful day and watching the camera guy. He's not paying attention to us at all outside the gate. We finally feel that Billy has moved his energy to this quieter level. He wants this horse so bad. And we enter the pen, and as we walk to the center to stand, I remind him softly, Billy, remember that one and two had to do with your feet on the ground? So let's take some really slow breaths in, let them out even slower. And he did. Feel your shoes on the ground, only think about your shoes on the ground. That's it. I'm keeping you safe if Scooter comes over. Just be with your shoes. Feel the bottom of your shoe and the ground. And I help him control his energy and move his energy and dial his energy down. And this beloved little boy does such a great job that my sweet Scooter came right over to him, not me, and laid his forehead right on this child's chest. And of course, now the boy gets pretty excited. I said, don't, don't blow it. You've got to stay quiet. Deep breathe in. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Bring your thoughts to the ground, your thoughts to the ground. He was so excited. Then we got out of the pen and I said, now you can go run around and be at level five about what that was like. And he did. He ran around telling us all, it was so fun. It was so great. He came over and he was definitely level five bouncing off the walls. So what did this do for this boy? For one, it helped him experience a great payoff of being in those lower levels, of working as hard as it took him to control some of his thoughts and control his actions and dial everything down to a slower pace. But he had great incentive to do so. He doesn't get all that incentive necessarily at school. He doesn't get that incentive in other places because he hasn't shown he even has the capacity to do that yet. We worked with his mom over about a three-week period of time. She put the scale up in the hallway of her house. She changed his diet to more vine-ripened fruits and vegetables, which helped him a great deal. He was not on medication. She was really wanting him to be off all medications. We were working with his physician on that as well. We worked on other behavior-modifying ways to do it. But the biggest one was his mom was able to say what he experienced. She said, I need you right now as we go into this store to be in level two where Scooter came over to you. I need that energy where when Scooter laid his head right on your chest, do you remember that? Yep. Okay, see if we can do that. Okay, I'll do it with you. Let's go in really soft and quiet. And this boy began getting responses from the world he had never gotten before. Then he got responses because his teacher was brought in on the system. Ask him, dial him down. You know what, Billy? You seem like you're about a level five right now. I need you to move it to a four. 
and he knows what that means now. Billy, I really need level three so your classmates can function in the room well. Billy, let's be at level one, all right? Let's all, the whole class will go there with you. We'll all be at level one for five minutes. Can we do that? It's good for all kids, right? So he learned rewards from his teacher. He got attention for being able to dial the volume up and down. He definitely got the rewards from his animals at home, both his guinea pig and his dog at home were much more responding to him. He came out to my barn two or three times for different sessions and he knew I'm out here and I'm ready to be at two. I'm ready to be at two. I said, okay, well, you sound a little three as you tell me that. So let's do what we need to do to get into level two. Let's breathe. Pay attention to our body, bring all our energy down. So it really helped him a great deal. Now, after Billy left, the film crew asked for uh, filming my work with his mother. And so I spent about 40 minutes, I think, talking to his mom about how difficult it had been for her to deal with this child. She had two other children that were not ADD and not ADHD. And they were having difficulties because of Billy's actions in the home, and she was losing power and energy all over the place. And so we spent a lot of time really talking about it. And what I recognized with her was that she had lost all ground of having any boundaries with her kids. Now, maybe she never had boundaries to begin with, but definitely having this child that was pushing all these buttons so much, uh, she, she had lost her sense of, of boundary. So I first had her sit on the bench and watch me with Scooter and I round pent Scooter. I round penned him a little differently for the mom. Billy was not present to this. And I said, I want you just to observe. She's never been with a horse at all. I said, only observe, but observe everything that you can. What am I doing that's getting this horse to respond like this? And then I round pen him. I round pen him at a lope. I round pen him, spin him hard inside, spin him hard outside, turn his direction several times. I mean, we really work out quite a bit. And the round pen, he comes to me. He's following me. He's backing up when I face him quietly and soft. He's walking forward when I ask him to. I mean, he's just completely in the palm of my hand and I'm in the palm of his hoof. We are connected. So she watches all this. I come out of the pen and I said, what did you observe? And she said, I observed that your horse minds you very well, that everything you asked him to do, he did. And I said, was I doing it through dominance, force, control, or what words would you put on it? And she said, no, it looked like a dance. It looked like you did it through connection grace and request. I said, well, thank you. That's the way I feel about it. That's the energy I take into the pen, not you better do this horse or you're in trouble, but hey, I'm making a fair request and I'm going to be very fair in my communication as I make it and, and let's partner together to do these things. So she goes, I loved it. I loved it. You didn't look mad or mean or anything or forceful. You looked fair you know, is a fair situation for both of you. So good. So now you go in and do that. 
Well, of course, because she's not a horseman, because horses are who horses are, and because Scooter was a fabulous partner of mine to teach people these things, he began at first kind of hanging on the rail no matter what she did. She had a flag, um, not a whip, but just a short three-foot flag, and she waved the flag as she thought she saw me do, and he didn't respond. She jumped up and down. She did everything she could think of to get him going. When he finally kind of got going, he pretty much went around the circle, and then he turned when he felt like it. And when he turned to go the other direction, she switched the flag to her other hand. And I watched her do that two or three times. So I brought her out of the pen, and I said, what was the difference? She said, well, number one, I wasn't sure what I was doing, and it was scary. And she said, number two, I think the difference was that um, I don't like confrontation. So I said, here's what I noticed. You would ask him to be going to the right, and he would. And then he would say, I feel like going to the left. He'd turn and go to the left. So you'd switch the hand, the flag hand, and go to the left. Who was making the decisions, you or Scooter? And she thought about it, thought about it. And she goes, oh, well, actually, he was making the decisions. And I was avoiding confrontation and going the way he wanted to go. I said, exactly. So translate that to bedtime at home. And you have a bedtime in your head. You'd like to have Billy in bed by quietly, not getting up again and all of those things. But Billy also maybe heads for his room and then gets distracted and does something else. And it's a battle. She said, yes, every night it's a battle and it wears me out. And I feel like I have to start like an hour ahead to aim toward it. And it's a fight and a struggle. I said, okay, well, let's work on what that looks like. Because as you get better with this horse, things will get better with Billy. So what we discovered, and I worked with her several times with Scooter until she could gracefully, sweetly, directly ask for what she wanted from the horse and get it. If the horse said, I think I'm going to turn left, she said, that was not my request. You're going to go back the other way to the right until I ask you to go left. She learned to do that, and the horse taught her a lot around boundaries. Now, bringing her back out, we translated it to the real world, for instance, saying, how do you normally ask Billy to go to bed? She goes, well, my other therapist told me what I should do is tell him 15 minutes before bedtime, then five minutes before bedtime to start heading toward it so he wouldn't lose his mind when I asked him to go to bed. I said, is it working? She said, no. I said, there's a lot of kids that would work really well on, so it's not bad advice, but in this case, it doesn't seem like it's working very well. So tell me, are you asking Billy like you asked my horse? She said, what do you mean? Are you going and saying this? Billy, I kind of need you to start thinking about maybe heading to bed pretty soon. And I would like you to do that, if you would, please, without fussing. And just kind of would be nice if you would sort of kind of maybe possibly. <laughs> she started laughing. and She says, that may be what I do. She said, I just hate the fight. I said, I get it. So we brought Billy out. And I said to Billy, I said, what do you do when your mom tells you it's time for bed? And he looked very sheepish. He looked at her. He looked at me. He goes, well, sometimes I kind of go, but, you know, sometimes there's a show or something on. And he starts into his routine, right? I said, Billy, what would happen if you were laying on your stomach on the floor watching TV 
And I came in and I said, Billy, time for bed now. And his eyes got really big and he goes, I'd go to bed. Exactly. Why? I don't know, because you really want me to go to bed. He said, and you're convinced that I mean that, right? Yes. Is it scary? No. So why would you respond to that versus how your mom asked you? Because I'm, you're just telling me it's time for bed. It, it, and what it was is it was so direct and simple for him that it made it clean. For me to tell him at 15 minutes till 10 minutes till five minutes till in language that was saying maybe kind of baby do this was not working. She learned with my horse how to round pen him easily, gracefully, not with dominance, force and control, but with kindness and a clear request and to reinforce it when the request was not heard or understood and to do so by being clean and clear to her responses to the horse and her request to the horse. These horses are amazing teachers. And this was filmed, this documentary, hmm, let me say 12, 15 years ago. And I have seen this family since. Billy, of course, is a grown man now. And both of them still remember everything that happened that day. I think we never forget what a 1,200-pound animal shows us. We never forget their clarity and how they show us Ask me clean and clear and simple, and I'll respond. I want boundaries, and oftentimes so do kids. So long story today, I hope it helped. These horses are amazing teachers. One of the programs that I teach people to do is called Equine Facilitator. And I have 18 different exercises and experiences that I've created over 35 years of my career in exercises in ways to teach these very simple things to families, mindfulness studios, and businesses. 18 different ones that the students learn to do with their horse as a partner. It's a great income stream, and they're able to really make it work helping families do different things and behave differently than they did yesterday or assisting businesses that need help with the manager taking on the manager or role, all kinds of scenarios like that. So that equine facilitator program, this is what they end up being so, so good at is helping families understand and businesses understand and mindfulness places understand through these sensitive creatures, how it works. Thanks for joining me today for Horse and Rider The Ride. Hope to see you again next time. I'm Melissa Pierce. Thank you for tuning in to the Rides Winning Insights mini-sode podcast. We hope you enjoyed this mini-sode. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Horse and Rider on social media and at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. If you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We love to hear from you guys. And if you love what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.